Thank you, William, for that. And thank you, Ben, for those lies in your introduction. Well, actually, I should say they're not all lies. I am not intellectual, like you said, so don't be disappointed when I'm not intellectual. But my wife is way out of my league. That is accurate. Um, uh, I, I'm glad to be here to come to speak this morning. Um, I, I, uh, it's definitely a privilege. I think it's a pri- it's all a privilege for all of us to have um, Ben. Ben is if, if you like you said I'm a, I work as an attorney here in town, and when I do stuff at the church, like I, I work, and then when I try to help out or volunteer and stuff, and you guys probably understand this, man, it is stressful sometimes. It's like I'm doing all this stuff, and I come try to do this stuff, and. Some of you guys may not know about Ben, but he, I mean, he, he talks about it sometimes, but he, he, this isn't like his main job. He, he runs a meat company, which is all bizarre and fitting for him, I think. Um, and the, the meat company is not even here. It's like an hour that way. I don't even know which way I'm pointing, but it's that way. Um, it, it's like an hour outside of town. He does that. That's what he runs. And then he also, I don't know how he does it, finds the time um, to come here to serve us, to, to listen to me talk about community groups, to listen to other people uh, talk about their parts of the church, and then to come here and preach every Sunday. And he does a very good job at that, as you guys know. So um, it's, it's a privilege to have him as our pastor, and I'm glad that he invited me to come uh, talk real quick. Like he said, this is the, uh, this is spring, I don't have to tell you, spring, for, it's, we sprung forward, right? Sprung, yeah, we went forward in time, which is like time travel, pretty cool. But um, you guys... Congratulations, because yes, you are at the 11 o'clock service, but it's really like a 10 o'clock service, which is pretty darn impressive, right? And it's spring break, like you said. So give yourself a pat on the back for that, that you were able to come out to this service. Um, I think, and I think it's especially true. It's true with every service, but I think it's especially true with this one. It is not a coincidence that you are here today. I think that God... Bring, has brought you, no matter what the circumstances that brought you, you know, you were begrudging about coming, or you just happened to come, you weren't planning on it, or, you know, some spring break plans got canceled, and you're like, yeah, what the heck? Whatever it is, I don't think that you are here on action. I think God has something that he wants to speak to you. I think he wants to meet you uh, somewhere here today. So keep that in mind um, as we go. Um, like Ben said, my name is Micah. I, I'm from Tallahassee, and I work here. Um, I went to, I'm actually a double FSU-er. What I mean by that is I went to law school here at FSU, and I also went to undergrad at FSU. So big FSU fan, uh, what what. I, um, I, 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 like, I, I did all my years here, so my freshman year, I lived like in the dorms on, on uh, campus and everything like that. I, um, I lived in Landis, at the top of Landis Green. So it, for you guys, if you're not familiar with all the dorms, Landis is it's the honors dorm. All right, I'll get it out of the way. I was in the honors, all right? So um, y'all were all thinking it, okay? Um, it's on the top of the hill on Landis Green. Strozier's like at the bottom there, that really cool greenway. And I went, I was a freshman, um, I won't tell you what year, but I, I was a freshman and I was like a 
classic nerdy freshman, like the kind that seniors are walking around, they're like, this kid's allowed to be here, this is incredible, right? I, me and my cousin, were, were the same age, and we both were freshmen together, and we would ride our bikes around, and just like, do nothing, but try and like, find some fun thing to do, we had like, three classes each, you know, like nothing, and, and then we're just riding around, like, trying to find free food, and just being totally nerdy, doing nothing cool, right, my cousin, uh, he lived in Kellum, so he was like old school Kellum, some of you guys were like, I lived in Kellum, it's gone now, but they're like, rest in peace, Kellum, but eh, not rest in peace, because you were horrible, but, right, he lived in Kellum, I lived there, and we would just like, do Ride around, do nothing, right? Accomplish nothing. And one thing, one day, uh, I, this is a totally true story. We 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 went out to uh, Landis Green. We we're going to throw the football, right? So we're a classic freshman. Oh, what do we? Get? Let's throw the football. It's a pretty day, right? And so we get a frisbee and we get a football, right? Then we got a frisbee, a frisbee, we're, football. We're out on Landis Green, um, and there. I don't know if it's still there. There's still like huge. Pine trees, maybe? I'm not a tree expert. There were these, there's some trees out there, but there used to be this big, like, uh, I don't know what kind of tree, but it was a tree, and then next to it, there was another, like, taller tree, right? It was up there on the top of the hill, kind of to the left. So we're throwing the football, me and him, and uh, tossing it, and what happens is the, the football gets stuck in the tree, right? Maybe I had an incredible arm. I don't remember what, how it happened, but I throw, it gets stuck in the tree, right? And it's not that high in the tree. It's like maybe this roof, pretty close. So what do you do? Football is stuck in the tree. Start throwing stuff at it to get it down, right? So we take our Frisbee. Start throwing our Frisbee up to knock this, uh, this football out. Now, mind you, this is campus. There are people who live there, who are walking around, who are going to class, and we're just like two dorks throwing stuff into a tree. And... We, so we start doing that. We're trying to knock down uh, this football, right? And as we're throwing the Frisbee, I remember I just like threw it way too hard, missed the football. It flies up and gets stuck even higher in the tree, the Frisbee. So now we're like, dang, our Frisbee and our football are stuck in the tree. So I had two shoes. He had two flip-flops. We get the flip-flop because it's less expensive, right? So we're like, all right, flip-flop's got to go. Plus, it's kind of like aerodynamic. You can kind of throw it like a Frisbee, right? So we start trying to throw it at the uh, football to knock the football down. But what happens is the shoe gets stuck, or the, the flip-flop gets stuck up in the tree. So we're like, dang it. All right, uh, we got to kind of conserve resources here because we're running out. So we start throwing and. You know, we eventually knock the football out, so then we're like, oh, football is better. So we start throwing the football at the Frisbee. Frisbee comes out. Oh, but the football gets stuck. Start throwing the football at the sandal. The sa- start throwing the shoe at the sandal. The sandal and the shoe get stuck. We do this for about 25 minutes right out there in the middle of the day on landing screen. And all of a sudden, I'm like, stop, 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 stop. Let's just take a moment and assess what is going on right now, okay? And I stop, and I'm like, take a deep breath. I have the football in my hands and the Frisbee, two flip-flops, and both my shoes are stuck in the tree. So we've started to try and get this football out. And now we have the football, but everything else is stuck in this tree. And to, to, to give you the end of the story, basically, we eventually knocked the sandals out. This is like an hour-long process. Knock the sandals out in the shoes. Eventually get to like one thing left and these like dudes with lacrosse sticks showed up and started throwing it at it and they, they got it down. So we got all this stuff. But the reason I tell that story is because I think it's so um, 
it, I think it paints a good picture of the reality of life sometimes. Because, you know, you guys are like, I, that never happened to me. I never got a football stuck in the tree and then got all my shoes stuck in the tree. That never happened to me. But no, we do this, we, but we do this with other things going on in our life, right? Like we were locked in on getting this stuff out of the tree. We, no distractions. We, 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 we forgot about other stuff that was going on. We were trying to get this football out of the tree and then ultimately ended up trying to get all of our shoes and stuff out of the tree and everything like that. And we were locked in on this. And, you know, at that one point where I said, stop, stop, let's just assess this, we had made zero progress. We had, we had actually made negative, right? We had the football, the thing that we set out to get, but we didn't have anything else. And this is so true with life because we get stuck in these ruts where we are so focused on one thing or one accomplishment or one and sometimes it's bad things sometimes it's good things one relationship one job one uh major one getting into this master's program getting into this graduate program and we get so focused on this one thing that we forget about everything else and maybe we end up with that thing but we've lost everything else Right, and you see this. You can see this with you know this is the classic. Um, just like you see this with men, well, and women who who just work it, work at something, and work and work, and they want to be successful in their job, their job, their job. They want to be successful at that, and then suddenly they've made it. They're successful at the job. They're holding that football, right? But they don't. Their family's gone. Their family's deserted them. They've given nothing to their family. They don't have the family, right? They've gotten that one thing, but, but the other thing's gone. You see this in people who, who just so, they want to be in a relationship. They want to find that one. They, they want, they're so focused on that. And all of a sudden, you know, they, they're spending all their time, all their effort. That's all they're thinking about. And all of a sudden they have, you know, that uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, right? And then suddenly they don't have any friends. Where'd my friends go? I had friends before this. All of a sudden I don't have friends. I was, I, was, I was on this one thing, but now, and now I have it, but everything else is stuck in the tree. Right? And this, this is so true with so many things in our life, not just work, not just relationships. It could be you know, just getting, like I said, getting the, uh, the grades, getting in that graduate program. We get so stuck on just these things, right? And we, and we just do them incessantly. And there's... Um, let me actually turn the pages here. There's a first it kind of talks about this in Matthew 13. And this is Jesus talking in Matthew 13. And he says, he's telling this parable about um, basically uh, this parable where there's like seeds going out and some are landing in the road and they're shriveling up in the sun. But some are landing in good soil and they're growing. He's talking about, he's, he's talking about like our lives, our spiritual lives, right? And he goes on, he explains what he meant when he said the parable. He explains it to his disciples in chapter 13, verse 22. And I want to talk about a specific one. In verse 22, he says, And the one, whom, uh, and the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, one of the seeds was, th- was thrown into soil, but amongst thorns. It says, This is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So he's saying this is someone, there's someone, there's people who get uh, the seed, who, 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 you know, experience God. Maybe they come to church, every, they know about God, right? But, but they have that, and it's in soil, and it can grow. But the worry 
of the world, the thorns is what he used to describe it. The thorns which twist around plants, right, and choke them out and, and steal space, steal soil. The thorns and the weeds, right, the things that go in there and kill your plants, right, those surround that, that uh, foundation that you have in your life in Christ and they choke it out. The worries of the world. And this is so true, I can think of in my life, and, and I, I challenge you to think of it for yourself. Because so many times we want to be close to Christ, so many, we, we want to have a relationship with Him, but we've gone just days, and then all of a sudden it was weeks, and weeks turned into months, and maybe even years, right? Where all, we were focused on something that maybe was good, a relationship, a job, a, and, and that next thing became the next thing, and we were focused on that, and suddenly... We didn't have, it had kind of choked out the seed. It had choked out our relationship with Christ. A couple of weeks ago, Ben talked, he's been going through this awesome series called Seven in the book of Revelation. And he talked about how uh, Christians, there's not a lot of Christians or people who went away from Christianity who actually like got a big board and put all the pros and the cons and, you know, tried to, do I believe this or I believe this? There's not a lot of people who actually sat down and took the time to, you know, check all the things and decide, do I believe this? Uh, most people, that's not how they fall away, right? The vast majority, that's not how they fall away from Christ. How they fell away from Christ is just slowly, on a day-to-day basis, they became consumed with the worries of the world, and he faded away in their life. And this is something that's difficult for uh, non-Christians and Christians alike, that we, you know, we know that he's our Savior, we know uh, that he he died for us, that, that he is all power, the omnipotent, he's over the world, but then we slowly, the worries of the world, choke it away and suddenly we're consumed in those things. Right? And this is a very real thing. In, in Genesis chapter 3, and this is especially true for, for uh, men, it, it's true for women as well, but in, in Genesis chapter 3, it talks about the fall of man, Adam and Eve, who bite, you know, they, they take the apple and they eat it, and, and God to, comes to him and there's these curses, right? And for men in particular, it says in verse 17, it says, Then to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten from the tree which I have commanded, and you saying, You shall, I, he said, You shall not eat from. This is what he says to him Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. But by the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And what God is saying there to Adam, the first man, and if you haven't thought through this, if you haven't realized that this is a reality for your life, this is something you're going to have to fight against, challenge you. Think about this, because this is true for your life, right? And especially uh, for men. He's saying, Adam, throughout your life, you're going to have to toil. You're going to have to work, right? You're going to have to work, and you're going to be consumed by that. You're going to have, you're gonna have, to, you're gonna have to sweat. You're going to have to work, right? But you know what's always going to happen? There's always going to be thorns and thistles that are going to grow up and make that and frustrate that. And not a lot, I, I would say that maybe, maybe none of us in here are farmers. We all work in some other, maybe we're a, you know, an engineer, 
an attorney, uh, IT. We work in something. Maybe we're working towards one of those things. We, we own a small business. We do something like that, right? And what he's saying there is, in those things, you're going to work, right? But you're never ultimately going to make it, right? There's always going to be thorns and thistles. There's always going to be something frustrating the process, right? This is your curse. You're going to live with this reality while you are on earth, that you are going to work, but you're never ultimately going to reach that end, right? And a lot of us, we get consumed with reaching the end. Oh, I got to get this next step. And once you get to that step, I got to get this next step, right? But he's telling you at the beginning, that's going to be part of your life, but you're never going to get there. And he says this... uh, Thing that's powerful right at the end when he says, Till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And here's a re- the reality of that is that no matter what you accomplish, right, if you build that highest skyscraper in the world, right, you started as dust and you're going to return to it. Nothing that we do here uh, on earth that's not related to Christ, that's not spiritual, is, is eternal. Even the, the best things are not going to last. So I say all of that in hopes that we can recognize uh, maybe some patterns that we've fallen into, right? Because what I want to do now is I want to go um, to a section of Scripture in Samuel, right? And I want to encourage you guys from it. Because you may say that, you may, you may um, have heard what I said there, where I'm, you know, where I'm talking about just aiming at something and forgetting about the other things in your life, and you say, man, I've been on that. I can recognize where I've been on that. I am consumed with these certain things, and, I've, and, and, it's, and it's choked out, uh, God, for my life. It's, it's the, my worries for the world and the worldly things have just choked that out for my life. And so I want to encourage you, like, it, like when I was standing there, you know, as I'm throwing all my sandals in the tree, and I just said, stop, stop, let's assess what's going on. I challenge you this week, in a service where, you know, it's not as big as it usually is, where it's a little more uh, to yourself, a little more, um, it's early, right? You got a lot, I, I challenge you to think about this. So think about this for yourself. If you're in, you, if you realize that you might be in one of those cycles, that you'd say, hold on, let me stop and just reassess where I'm at. Am I, am I actually getting somewhere? Let me reassess, right? And, and I want to go to a, um, a, a story in Samuel where I think uh, God uses something like that to speak to someone. So if you would go to me to 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to have it on this board back here. Um, Samuel is a book, it's in the Old Testament, and Samuel is my favorite book uh, of the Bible. And the reason why Samuel is my favorite book of the Bible is because it is um, uber dramatic, right? It is entertaining. It is like the best soap opera, okay? Um, When I was... um, and when I was younger, I, I, I grew up going to church, and I knew a lot of, like, Bible stories, but I really just did not understand that I could read the Bible and get something from it myself till I was in high school. I just didn't understand that, right? It's just whenever I opened the Bible, it was some story about some crazy you know, monster or something like that, and I didn't get the names. It didn't make sense. People's names were funny, and I was like, all right, well, I'll close this. this that, that was cool. I'll go read another book, like, 
the hatchet, Harry Potter, something like that, right? I'm out. Um, that was kind of like, uh, it wasn't until high school that I realized that I um, could read and, and get something for myself. And it was kind of it came from the encouragement of somebody who said, hey, I think you should read, uh, you should read this. You should try to get something from yourself. And I said, okay, well, tell me what to read because most of the stuff I pick up from it is pretty dry, right? And they said, go read Samuel. And I said, that's in the old part, which is the definitely boring part. So definitely, why would I start there? No, go read it. And the reason that Samuel's so cool is because Samuel tells a story. It tells like a history, right? And it has, I'm telling you, it has love, sex, romance, violence, fighting, uh, bravery. It has like come from behind stories, like 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 uh, big guy, little guy beats big guy, kind of David and Goliath type stories, like. Literally, it has David and Goliath in it. That story's from Samuel, right? It has all these cool stories in it. And, and so I challenge you if, you, if you feel like you're in that, where you're like, I don't understand this Bible. It's not very, you know, I just don't, it's not very good reading. Read this one. At least you'll be entertained. And that's Samuel. So in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're introduced to this guy actually named Samuel, right? He gets the book named after him. And Samuel is this boy who lives at the church priest temple kind of thing. Priest. Now, he lives at the temple uh, 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 church type place. And the story of Samuel is that Samuel's mother couldn't have children, or she wasn't having children, and she went to church and she basically said, God, if you would give me a child, I'll give him to you. Right, and then she she becomes pregnant. She has a child, right? She has Samuel, and she follows through with that. She goes, you know, once he once he can live, uh, she uh, on his own. She goes and brings him to the church, and she brings him this guy named Eli. Eli was like the pastor, priest, head honcho of the church at that time, and he lived there in Israel. And she brings him to him and says, "Here, I I promised God that I would give uh, my my son to him, and so here and so." Samuel at this time, I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's a boy kind of living in the church, so he's teaching him, Eli's teaching him some stuff, and he's probably doing some chores and stuff like that. And that's where we're at in the story. So it says, uh, verse 1, it says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. And it happened at that time that Eli was lying down in his place, now his eyesight had begun to grow dim, and he could not see well. Eli was kind of old. Um, it's in verse 3. And the lamp of God had not gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, that the Lord called Samuel and said, and he said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you have called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. So what happened is Samuel is laying down. He's got a crappy bed situation. He's laying on the floor for some reason. Maybe that's what they did. So he's, uh, he, Samuel's in his room, and it says that God calls to him, right? We don't know if this is like audibly, like it was like Samuel or something like that. We don't know. Actually, like from the verses, it, kind, it seems to indicate that it probably was just to him, that it was probably kind of silent or just to him because Eli's in the house, and Eli doesn't hear anything. Right? But Samuel, nonetheless, hears his name, you know, Samuel, and he goes to Eli, who's, I guess, the only one there. And he says, Eli, uh, I'm here. What do you need? And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. That's odd. So Samuel goes back to bed. Verse 6. Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. 
So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. So the second time, he goes to Eli and says, You called my name. What do you need, Eli? Um, and he says, I didn't, I didn't call your name. Go, go back to bed. Then verse 8. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the child was calling the boy, or that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. So here's what happens. Samuel goes a third time, he hears his name. And he goes to Eli, and he says, I'm here. And Eli says, I didn't call you. But then Eli, who's the pastor priest at this time, Eli recognizes, it says that Eli had discernment, right? He's got a little wisdom. And um, he realizes, I'm not calling Samuel. Maybe it's God speaking to him. Maybe it's God speaking to him. And so he tells Samuel, he says, okay, I want you to go back to bed. And if someone calls you, right, if you hear your name again, I want you to say, yes, this is Samuel, Lord, your servant, I'm listening. So what he invites Samuel to do is say, if you hear your name again, I want you to address the Lord. There's an interesting thing here. Um, it said in the verses before this, it said, uh, six, so Samuel, uh, verse seven says, now Samuel did not know, yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. You see, Samuel didn't recognize God's voice, right? I think this is true for, for Christians and non-Christians today. If you're not a Christian here today and you say, you know what, I've never heard the Lord speak to me. He's never, you know, even if it wasn't audibly, he's never moved my heart or tried to, I've never felt anything from him, right? Samuel here is hearing from, from the Lord, but he, he doesn't recognize the voice. He's just going to Eli. And this can be true for Christians too. I think, Christian, we can get so caught up in the worries in the worries of the world, the things going on in our lives that we don't even recognize when God is trying to speak to us. And there's a, there's a cool thing that Eli does because Eli, in his wisdom, says, I want you to, if someone calls you again, I want you to consider that maybe God is speaking to you. And if you think about this, and if I, I was thinking about it for my life, the times that someone that I've really just experienced God or someone has helped me grow in my relationship with Christ, it hasn't been because they said something super wise or they just like pulled out some Bible verses that just were crazy. The times that someone has affected my life spiritually is, is the times that someone has come into my life and said, I want you to consider that God's speaking to you. The times that, like, the people who have helped me the most, what they've done for me the most is not give me some sweet sentence or some line in my journal that, that just changes my life. What they've said is, I want you 
to consider that God's speaking to you. When I was um, in high school, I went on this trip. It was an FCA trip to like out in the middle of nowhere and same place that Ben apparently works, I guess. And uh, we, went out to, we went out there. There was a bunch of schools in the area and they had like some speakers and stuff like that. And it was kind of, I don't I remember I wasn't that psyched about it, but I, I had to go because I was on like the leadership team or whatever. So I was like not inviting people, but I had to go anyways, right? And so I go to this thing and they speak, I'm, it was good speaking good messages, but I remember I was just so like um, anxious. I was just so like cold, like I just wasn't feeling, I just felt like anxious. It was definitely like a spiritual thing, um, but I didn't know, I, I just wasn't getting the message. I wasn't getting anything. I just felt like cold. Like none of it was um, real and just like upset about it. But I was just like stern about it. And after the message, we had these groups that we went to and you would like talk. And it was a bunch of people at different schools. And I remember the group, they were going around. Everybody's kind of, this is typical in this kind of setting if you've never been in, 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 to one, a retreat or something like these. Everyone's going around and kind of talking about what they learned from the message or, or how they're feeling, right? And I remember everyone went around and got to me and I wouldn't even like uh, just like make up something to have my turn go. I was just like, Cool, thumbs up. And they were like, wow, this, this guy, I don't know what's going on with him. He's just like quiet and weird. But what was going on with me, I was, I was just like, I, I was just frustrated, but I was, it was a spiritual thing. And so the, the leader, after, it, after everyone left, was like, hey, man, I can just tell, I mean, it's obvious that something's going on. Can, do you want to talk? Like, do you want to, what's going on? And there was um, eventually two leaders I was talking to, and I was just like, I don't know, I just didn't connect with this thing. I just feel frustrated. I just feel like unconnected to God. I don't, I don't feel like it's especially real for me right now. All these things like that. And um, I remember the, the guy told me, you know, I don't have any great thing to say. But he's like, I, I think that God's trying to talk to you. I think that he's knocking on your heart. I think he has something for you to say or something to say to you. And... Um, and he said, I, you know, I feel like you think that you're not good enough that he would want to talk to you. That you're not unique enough that he would um, care for you. So, so I considered that. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll pray. I'll, I'll see what he has to say. And so I sat there. It was in this like, old church classroom thing with like, one of those tiny kid chairs. The little yellow ones and orange ones, right? It was a tiny little chair like that. And I sat there and I just like prayed. And I remember... Um, There's a verse in Matthew chapter 10 that says, um, let me turn to it. And I had known this verse at the time. It's a verse in Matthew chapter 10 verse 3. It says, but the the very hairs on your head are all numbered. And so I knew that verse, that God knows the number of hairs on your head, right? And... I, I'd, I'd known that, like he can, oh, he knows how many grains of sand are on the, on the, in the ocean, or, and he knows how many hairs are on everybody's head, right? But at that time, what I felt, not audibly, not like Samuel or anything like that, but what, would, what, I, what I heard in my heart was, I don't just know the number of hairs on your head, I pick the number of hairs on your head. 
And the idea of being there, he's not just some encyclopedia that knows how many hairs are on your head, right? No, he designed you, right? To the point, and what I imagined then was this picture of someone just putting the last dab on like a perfect painting, or the last hair on head. No, no, no more hairs, no less. You are per- this is perfectly how I designed it. This is exactly what I want, right? I don't just know the number of hairs on your head. I picked it. You are perfect. You're unique. You're good enough. You're how I made you. And that moment, right, that was, that was huge uh, for me. That was an awesome, incredible moment. Um, I just remember that impacted me for a long time from that, to just feeling, you know what, I am good enough. I, I've had this encounter um, with God. And it came from someone just saying, I want you to consider that maybe God's trying to speak to you. And so Samuel, uh, Samuel's, it, it, it says, and you may feel this way, it says in Samuel, oh my Note cards are all over the place. It's floating. It says in Samuel, at the start of this that we just read, it says, and bef- and, uh, Now the boy Samuel was ministering, and word from the Lord was rare in those days. V- visions were infrequent. Now you may think that describes me perfectly, right? because word from the Lord is very infrequent in my life today, and visions are at a big, like, zero, right? I may mean, think I've been going through life. I haven't felt anything emotional. from I haven't felt anything spiritual. I haven't felt a change in my life. I've come to services. I haven't felt God speaking to me, right? And that's the same thing that Samuel was in the midst of. It says that visions and and. Uh, Things like this from the Lord were infrequent. They weren't happening. And you may feel that that is you. You may feel that they're infrequent in your life, but it doesn't mean that he isn't speaking. It doesn't mean that he isn't sitting there trying to get your attention, trying to talk to you, try, trying to get your heart. And I started this message with a story. This, the, the story I was talking about of just throwing all these things in the tree and and I think it's so, um, it's such a problem for us sometimes to, that we get caught in these things where we're seeking after something. We get caught in these cycles of weeks, months, years, and we never take that time to just go, stop, hold on. Let me pause. Let me consider what's going on. Is God speaking to me? Does he want to break into the cycle that I'm in and talk to me? And I think that he does. And I would ask you, to consider that maybe God is trying to speak to you today. Maybe that you, you, you realize you're in one of those cycles, right? And you came on this Sunday spring break morning, super early, earlier than normal, right? And get, but God had you here for a reason, because he wants to speak to you. He wants to break you out of that cycle. He wants you to stop and say, these things that I'm chasing, they, will be, they, they are dust, and there will be dust in them. They're not eternal. They're not everlasting. But you are, Lord. And he wants to break you out of that. There's a verse in Habakkuk where it says, chapter 2, it says, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. 
in Revelation, to come full circle from what Ben's t- talking about, it says in chapter 20 of, uh, or chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. What, what Jesus is saying there is, I'm standing at the door, and, and this is our hearts. He's standing at the door of our hearts. He's knocking, right? And he's just asking you to answer the door to come in. And you may, not, you may not have realized that he is. You may not have been able to hear that, right? The, the worries of this world may have just drowned that out to the point that you think they're not happening. But I want to encourage you that they are happening, that he's there, that he wants a relationship with you. He wants to, to, you, you to not be in this cycle of the worries of the world consuming you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And... Um, Job 33, this will be the last verse, I promise, if I ever find Job. I did the same exact thing last service, but I don't care, so I didn't mark it a second time. It says in verse 33, or chapter 33, verse 14, it says, Indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it. Another way that's phrased in another version, it says, God does speak sometimes one way and sometimes another, even though people may not understand it. And this is what I want to encourage you guys today as we go from here. Is we're, you know, this, this kind of unique morning um, that's kind of different from others. I would challenge you, or I want to encourage you guys to say that God is speaking some, sometimes in one way, sometimes in another, even though we don't understand. He's speaking to you, right? And I want to challenge you, if you've been caught up in just the worries of the world, whatever that is, if you feel like your life has just been chasing, trying to get a ball out of a tree, and you got everything else but that, or you got that thing, but you've lost everything else, that you've been in this cycle, I just want to challenge you to, like I did when I was there, just say, stop, let me assess what's going on. Maybe that's just the rest of this day, this morning. You would just say, stop, let me assess What's going on? Let me say, you know what? I don't want to be in this cyclical pattern. I don't want to be this. I want to have a relationship with you. And then I would challenge you to consider that maybe God wants to speak to you today. Maybe that means going to his word and reading. Maybe that means just going somewhere and closing your eyes and saying, God, you better show up and praying. But I challenge you that maybe he wants to speak something to you today. Let me pray for us and then we can go eat lunch.